Hey guys, welcome to episode five of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. We've got a great guest today. Today we'll be joined by Jamil Abiad of Next Level Fitness, Next Level Media, and Team Believe. He's also got several other ventures here in Ottawa and is uh, could be described as a bit of a serial entrepreneur with lots of startups on the go. Jamil's journey started as a youth sports athlete playing for the Bishops University men's basketball team then went on to play professionally overseas before returning back home to Ottawa. Once he returned here, he began doing his uh, basketball skills training journey, training thousands of athletes across the region before striking out on his own to uh, start up Next Level Media as a means to start promoting uh, athletes who are under the radar and getting some recognition for them for those that wanted either mixtapes or to get scouted or uh, putting together professional packages for uh, teams to scout and review and potentially recruit them with. And then went on to leverage this into Next Level Fitness and he also leveraged that into Team Believe, which is uh, operating two teams for uh, basketball players here in the Ottawa region at the very, very highest levels as well. So real great interview and lots to unpack. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you've uh, been seeing so far, make sure to hit that subscribe button down low. Without further ado, let's hop right into it with Jamil Abia. Hey guys, welcome to the Dine Sports YouTube and Podcast Network. Joining me today, Jamil from Next Level Fitness, Next Level Media, Team Believe, and, and many other things. Man who wears many hats. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. So, I mean, as, as a skills trainer, what have you been doing to uh, keep busy these days? Obviously not business as usual for you. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's been a, it's been a struggle. I, I won't, I won't lie there. I mean, uh, being on the court pretty much every single day for eight to 10 hours, uh, having a ball in my hand, uh, training kids and stuff like that has all come to a, a halt. Uh, so I've kind of had to figure out other ways to stay active, stay busy. And, uh, I started doing actually my own type of, uh, podcast uh i guess you can say intro type thing to uh, uh an athlete of a journey and uh pretty much just trying to stay ahead of the curve once things kind of get back planning for my team believe uh, uh stuff like that but i mean you know just just out here like everybody else <laughs> just trying to trying to get by this yeah just just rolling with the punches and you know things things change day by day for sure so yeah yeah. I, I mean, in, in your sort of basketball journey, you, you, you've sort of played just about every role, right? You, you were an athlete yourself, then uh, you got into coaching, you got into skills training, you're, you're now an entrepreneur in, in sort of the basketball realm there as well, too. I mean, after so many years, you know, as you say, eight to 10 hours plus on a court there, you know, what, what keeps you passionate about the game and keeps you, you know, excited to come into work every day? I think my passion comes from – actually, I've never had someone ask me where my passion comes from. But I love the game so much because it's done so much for me. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I had times where I was struggling as a kid or I wasn't sure where I was going uh, in terms of my path or what I wanted to do, uh, I always had basketball to fall on. And by giving so much to the game, I guess now it's 
giving back to me, if that makes sense. And uh, I don't want to say I put all my eggs in one basket. I mean, my mom always told me not to, but I feel with the amount of time I've invested in it, I'm kind of now, I won't say reaping benefits, but it's uh, kind of allowed me to open up many doors that I would never have thought of opening or even of doing. And for me, uh, seeing athletes uh, put their trust in you and reach their goals uh, is something that I look forward to as well, to know that I, I'm able to help or or be part of their success. It's kind of, a, I guess it's a, a feeling that I, I enjoy uh, constantly and, and, and I always want to give back. So I feel like that's maybe where my passion comes from, I guess you can say, from, from, from giving back and what the game has done for me. Nice, nice. And, and, you know, thinking back on your journey as well, too, it was there maybe outside of, you know, mom and dad, uh, was there maybe one person, whether it was a coach or a teacher who sort of played a pivotal role in your development as a player who, who you model giving how you give back to afterwards? Yeah, I mean, uh, another icon here in terms of the basketball uh, realm of things here in Ottawa, Ontario, I mean, is uh, Merrick Palmer, who, who's the uh, owner of Capital Courts. Uh, I met him when I was 11, 12 years old. Uh, he was actually my babysitter with my brothers at the time. And uh, I mean, just to kind of keep us occupied and busy, I think we all went down to the court one day or the YMCA, I don't remember exactly. And uh, we started playing basketball. and. I mean, I thought I was good like every other 12-year-old kid, you know, but uh, uh, I realized pretty quickly how crappy I was. And I don't know, I think uh, just by my excitement in terms of getting into basketball, uh, Mayor kind of saw that. And I mean, we started kind of going to the court a little bit more. And, and I mean, it was from there, it's, uh, he's kind of been someone that helped me get started, somebody that was there while I was getting involved in it. And I mean... Uh, till this day, we still talk and, and bounce, bounce ideas off each other. And, I mean, he's somebody that's probably played a big role in terms of my basketball uh, upbringing, I guess you can say. Yeah. Oh, well, we, we just finished wrapping up a uh, an interview with Merrick. Had I known that uh, he babysat you back in the day there, I, I would have tried to dig up a little, uh, <laughs> little bit of gossip on it there. But, uh, I mean, you know, so, so something that – whether it's, you know, a role model or a coach, uh, you hear it all the time of people always preaching to their players to, to make good decisions about their future, right? Make sure that where they're going to college or university is it's a good fit for them. Don't get sort of sucked in by the, the flashiness and all of that of it. Make sure that the campus you're going to is a good fit. And you yourself were fortunate to go to Bishop's University and play at the U Sport level there. Was there anything that really sold you? Was it about Bishop's? Was it the campus? Was it the coaches, the program? Or was it a little bit of everything? To be honest, none of that sold me. It was actually the fact that my best friend was going there. And our goal from age 15, 14, when we played uh we played against actually each other in high school but we actually lived and ate basketball every day like that's how we both got better was playing against each other and going to the courts and stuff and at the time the couple schools that were talking to me weren't talking to him and uh he said listen I'm going to bishops I'm pretty much committed uh let me talk to the coach and see if he'd be interested in you and he and he spoke to him I went down for a recruiting visit and uh the coach said sure we'll take you so I mean right there it was kind of uh sold right there I mean 
small environment. I mean, small school, uh, about 2,000 people uh, and about three and a half hours from home. So I knew I wasn't too far from home if I wanted to come back and visit or anything else like that if my mom wanted to come up and visit. But uh, I think it was more uh, the fact that we both wanted to go play together more than anything. Like that school could have been a school with 60,000 people or 1,000 people and, and the worst basketball record in history. And I think just the fact that we had each other to kind of motivate one another and, and push each other was the biggest uh, thing for me at the time. Yeah. Wow. That, hey, that, that's a good friend right there, you know, selling you to the coach and <laughs> hooking you up. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's always good to have uh, have connections. So uh, when when you know when you're going on those types of recruiting visits, though, you know, um, obviously a big part for you was the fact that hey, my best friends play in here. But for for those that mm-hmm. might be you know going into a school cold, uh, are there any types of questions that an athlete should be asking that you know might not jump to the front of their mind? Yeah, I mean, uh, at the time, I really didn't have much of a checklist but now when I look back now and I mean not being on the other side of the fence where I'm helping kids now get into schools and you know speaking to coaches for them uh, I think every athlete should have a checklist and uh, the big thing obviously is go to a school that has a your program because at the end of the day you want to get your diploma when you graduate right Uh, you can go there in your first year you know god forbid you break your leg and you lose your basketball scholarship but you but you're still in school, right? So you want to go somewhere where, first of all, academics plays a big role. Uh, second of all, you know, uh, look at their their roster. How many kids are? How many guys are graduating when you get there? Um, how many guys graduate from the program and end up, you know, either going to play professionally if that's your goal, or uh, they're still part of the school in terms of the school gives back or helps them find a job, or um, uh, the relationship that you can maybe build with the coach and his views or his style of play. Um, also, uh, where does a coach see you fitting? Are you going to come in and sit on the bench for the first two years? Or are you going to come in and be an immediate impact player? Um, what's, what's the coach's kind of philosophy? Uh, you should kind of look at all those things because at the end of the day, you don't want to get into a program where you don't enjoy it. School's not going good. Now you have to transfer then you sit out and then, you know, it's a whole nother process again to restart. So to do your due diligence before and kind of have a checklist instead of uh, just look at those things you just mentioned earlier, you know, the bright lights, 20,000 fans, uh, the gear, um, all that other stuff. You can get that anywhere. That That's not going to change no matter where you go. You're a university athlete. Those things are all going to be kind of in the spotlight for you. So look at the things that actually matter in terms of your development as a player over the years. Are you going to be the same player? Does coaches have trainers for you? Do they have uh, team workouts? Like, how, how are you going to develop? Uh, I think those are all big things you want to kind of mark down on a checklist before you uh, decide to just attack the first offer that uh, kind of gets sent to you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, especially in recent years, I think youth sports, not just basketball, but just youth sports across the board has taken a tremendous step forward as far as, um, you know, retaining some of the homegrown talent instead of everything flocking south of the border. Is there anything that you could maybe pinpoint as to, you know, what has changed that's sort of sparked that uh, increase in in whether demand or, or desire to stay at home for athletes? Uh, I think a couple things. I mean, well, I don't want to say just because of last year, but I mean, 
you see how well the Raptors have been doing over the past, you know, five, six, seven years. Uh, the amount of Canadians now that are entering the league and not just like second round or anything like that, but even, you know, we had two first round picks for two years in a row. Then it was another three or four guys in the top 10. Um, and just with all the programs that are now starting to, you know, come up through the, uh, the grassroots in terms of preps and uh, uh, tournaments and showcases and uh, the guys that are leaving and coming back to now give back and help. I think all of that is playing a part in terms of keeping talent here. And uh, people are realizing, I mean, the same thing that you're getting here now because it's, it's before everybody left due to exposure. But now with media and the prep programs and uh, uh, coaches coming here to recruit a lot, I think now that's keeping kids uh, kind of more, more here than leaving. And then you have some people who have good mentors and stuff like that too, right? That kind of give them tips and, and all that other stuff. But I think basketball as a whole is growing, uh, not just around the world, but in Canada, it's growing uh, at a rapid rate. And I mean, I'm seeing it as a trainer when I get emails and calls and stuff like that from, uh, from parents. But I think all the programs that are starting have played a big uh, contribution to that for sure. Right on. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an exciting time on the Canadian basketball scene for sure. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, coaches say all the time, you know, use basketball as a tool right? Whether that's to get free education at school, whether that's to play professionally overseas and, you know, both as a player and as a skills trainer, you, you've been able to see, visit some pretty cool places uh, during your basketball journey. Can you give us a, just a quick rundown of just some of the many places that you've been in your basketball career? Yeah. I mean, well, I had the opportunity right after university to uh, go play professionally in Lebanon um during that time I also I mean traveled to the states to play some basketball there um and then once I was done playing professionally I mean I had an opportunity now as a skills trainer to travel to Africa the past three years in a row I went to Gabon uh Senegal and Chad and um I mean it's been it's been an awesome experience and you never really think that uh an orange ball that just bounces up and down <laughs> can kind of take you around the world and I mean I've met some awesome people i mean i've met some people throughout through nba africa itself and have uh, been able to kind of network and and make some really cool friends that i that i i work with like till today so i mean uh it's been pretty awesome to travel to some of those countries and and uh definitely uh, see what basketball has to offer around the world is there any one particular stop in your journey that stands out I mean, Lebanon for me probably hits home, not just because I was playing, mm -hmm. but uh, my father's Lebanese. And uh, <clears throat> since he immigrated here to Canada, I mean, back in 88, 89, or even before that, I think, maybe 85, uh, he never went back to Lebanon. I uh, never got us our paperwork, nothing like that. We never ever visited. Uh, you know, we just hear stories and, you know, we have a couple family members there and stuff like that. So to finish university and uh, get contacted by agents and uh, teams that were over there was pretty cool. I mean, it, it was the, it was now putting all those stories that I heard about growing up as a kid uh, to actually now physically seeing those places or experiencing some of those uh, stories that were probably the, the coolest part in, uh, 
you know, like any, any of my journeys, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah. Putting some, uh, some pictures to the, uh, the, the, the places in the stories must've been pretty cool. It, 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 yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Awesome. anything that you figured out once you got over there wow he was really exaggerating about that there uh, <laughs> mostly hold true no some things were kind of off but i mean from his time to when i went you know such a big difference in years right i mean he was there as a young kid in in the 60s 70s and then for me to go like five years ago i mean a lot has changed obviously so when he was telling me he was doing certain stuff when i got there i'm like what are you talking about? There's, there's highways everywhere <laughs> or this or that, you know? So, I mean, some of the stories obviously didn't kind of transfer over, but I mean, you can kind of tell like some of the stuff was actually uh, true because depending on where you went actually in the country, depending on where you were, I mean, I was lucky. I was pretty much in the heart of Lebanon and Beirut. Um, but if you went to the outskirts, a lot of stuff is still very kind of, I guess you can say like old. Mm -hmm. um in terms of the houses and streets and stuff like that so i mean uh yeah it's probably probably some of the stuff is true but some of the <laughs> stuff i was like called my dad on whatsapp and i'm like yo you told me this was this was here it's not here <laughs> oh it's probably gone now i'm like okay yeah. <laughs> Uh, right on right on uh so i mean now uh, as you've said sort of a, a big portion of your uh client base is is work as a skills trainer right if there was one particular skill that you would say is so overlooked by kids that you know you're, you're constantly correcting is is it always sort of one or two things that, that you see come up again and again or is it mostly every kid is different Every kid is different, but one thing that transfers to every single kid, especially at a young age, is knowing how to shoot the basketball properly. And I mean, you can go talk to 15, 20 different trainers and everyone's going to have their own uh, philosophy on teaching and, and everything else like that. But it all comes down to uh, little pieces that are the same with everybody. It's just maybe, you know, one or two things that they might teach differently, right? But um, a lot of kids like to watch and mimic, which is not a bad idea. But when you're a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid watching an NBA player shoot or do certain things, uh, you got to remember those guys have already mastered the, the basics first before getting to where they are now, right? So uh, when you see Steph Curry come down and do a between-the-leg-behind-the-back pull-up three, he's probably done that a billion times. And at 10, 11 years old, you're not strong enough yet to be shooting threes or, or you know, like – but for a kid – a three-pointer is like a slam dunk, right? So okay. once they make that one shot to them, they're excited. And once you see the basketball go through the rim, it kind of like, you know, gets you excited, but you see success. So you continue to do that again and again and again. So what starts to happen is kids start trying to heave the ball or push the ball, and that becomes kind of their shot as they grow until somebody physically, you know, takes them and helps them fix that. So they become really inconsistent. But – uh, shooting pretty much is one of the things that uh, I would say is very consistent in terms of fixing amongst uh, a lot of kids uh, because dribbling a ball, I mean, anyone could do it. There's no really right or wrong to dribble a basketball. I mean, you can learn moves and stuff like that. But in terms of shooting, because there's so many mechanics and how you set your feet to where you turn your shoulders to how you hold the ball, there's so many little things that can mess up with the ultimate result that you want, which is going in the net, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Is there anyone, whether it's NBA, WNBA, whatever, is there any one player that you sort of use in as, as an example for correct fundamentals? Uh, not really. I mean, if you look at every player, I don't think any two players have the same shot, but there are things they all have in common, which is balance, footwork. Um, but in terms of you could put two or three guys side by side and you'll see maybe a guy's elbows a little bit out or his fingers here or here. But I, the two things that remain the same is obviously follow through and then balance with their feet. So, I mean, yes, I use Steph Curry. I use Clay Thompson. I use some of those uh, uh, shooters. But um, I try to not reference NBA players when I'm talking to the kids because they'll go home and watch but not realize that, hey, these guys are the best athletes in the world. Like, they're so strong. So when they dip the ball or do certain movements, their body can physically do it because they're that strong, right? But for a kid now, moving the ball down here to shooting it, for example, is going to throw off your whole shot because you're not strong enough and you're using momentum from your back or your shoulders. So I try not to, but, I mean, those, those guys will arguably be the guys that I, if I ever say anything, is, is to watch those guys shoot and watch specifics, not just them just, you know, dashing the ball up and running back or anything like that. Just watch their feet, watch, watch how they hold their follow through, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyone you tell kids to avoid imitating? <laughs> uh, sometimes I say don't, don't do what Harden does in terms of just uh, all, I mean, he's probably one of the most offensive skilled players of, of all time. I mean, you can't, you can't take that away from him. He scores at ease. But in terms of uh, when I say, like, team basketball, uh, guys like him and, and Westbrook, I say, you know, kind of, yes, they're great players, but do they make their team better? You yeah. know, you, some people will tell you yes, some people will tell you no. So, I mean, those two guys, but, I mean, everybody else is pretty much not bad to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully we don't have too many Rockets fans watching right now there. <laughs> oh, let's hope. I'm going to get some hate mail. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, you're wearing it right now, um, but you, you've partnered up with, with two brands in particular, right? You, you've got Ball in the Six um, and also Under Armour Tact as, as clothing ambassadors for both uh, uh, companies there. I, I mean, just about every kid who's out there dreams, whether they make it to the NBA or not, of being repping, whether it's a shoe company or a clothing brand or something like that. Uh, how, how did you go about forming the relationships with those two companies? Uh, okay, I'll start with Under Armour. Under Armour was funny, actually. I mean, uh, I was on Instagram and I saw one of my buddies uh, take part in, a, in an Under Armour event. And uh, I, I asked him, like, how'd you get invited? Or, you know, how, why were you there? Because he doesn't even really play basketball. Yeah. So I'm like, what the hell are you doing there? <laughs> and uh, he's like, uh, well, like, I mean, he has a big following in terms of, uh, sh like, he does uh, stuff for shoes, like, inspect different types of shoes and give, like, ratings and reviews and stuff like that. So he has, like... 50, 60, 70,000 followers. Uh, so he does every type of shoe, like like uh, shoe kind or brand, sorry. So he's like, they brought me in here as like a shoe influencer to obviously talk about the shoe. Um, and that's when the Steph Curry, I think the fives came out. So he was there for that or the, yeah, the four of the fives. So I'm like, man, I'd love to go there. Like, is there trainers? Is there basketball people? Like what, like, what is like, how can I get involved? And uh, he's like, I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people want to, but I can, you know, give uh, your credentials and your name to uh, 
the Under Armour rep. So uh, he did that. I didn't hear anything back for three or four or five months. So I'm like, listen, just give me, give me his contact and let me try to get a hold of him. So I reached out and I mean, I sent him all my, you know, my, uh, my profile of playing basketball, what I do now currently and my involvement with kids and all that other stuff. So uh, they said, you know what, we're having a shoe launch for the Steph Curry Sixes uh, in December of 2018. Uh, come out. But at that time, it was just kind of just, just to be there for the event. There was no sort of bond, I mean, uh, relationship or anything like that. So yeah. they invited me and a couple other uh, basketball influencers, but a lot of them were shoe guys. Like they probably, I think it was 22 of us that were there and 15 were shoe guys. And then three or four had uh, basketball kind of either teams or kind of other things that they do, camps and stuff like that that were, that were invited because they're trying to get the shoe marketed out to everybody, right? So. Um, so I go down to this event and, uh, it was unreal. I got to meet, uh, Steph Curry's trainer, uh, uh, met the guy who actually, uh, designed and created the shoe who came down to talk about it. And then they put us through some drills of, uh, what Steph Curry does and test the shoe out, gave us a bunch of gear and stuff like that. And, uh, it was pretty much done after that. The event was done. And then I got a, I got a message uh, asking me, you know, like, what's my basketball goals and all stuff like that and, and what I plan on doing. And I mean, uh, pretty much replied to them and what my goals are, my interests and, and how I, how, how involved I am in the basketball community. And they said, listen, you know, we're, we want to add you to the, to the list of, uh, just kind of receiving shoes so you can kind of rep them out and, and, you know, just advertise for us. And they went from, from pretty much getting, you know, whenever a new colorway came out, I'd, I'd be getting shoes to now uh, the relationship kind of grew over time from that. And uh, we've been connected. I mean, now I do stuff with them. I, I run camps and stuff like that too. So uh, I guess my, I don't know how to say it, my uh, involvement with them kind of grew just because of how serious I made the connection as well because I really bought into the brand and what, what they were doing. So uh, from posting to advertising to everything else like that, they saw how involved that was. So my receiving a shoe now to a lot more kind of uh trickled on as as time went on i guess you can say yeah and that all sort of just came from you just just shooting your shot and just what reaching out yeah just reaching out Amazing. so i mean uh i tell kids all the time and it doesn't hurt to ask a question and i mean uh i've messaged nba players before do i get responses no some some response some don't i mean you can't be shy or scared to to ask because if you don't, you'll never get right or learn. So I mean, yeah, just no. do it. Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you have? Uh, let's maybe phrase it this way so that we keep everyone happy. Do, do you have a, a favorite all-time shoe and then a favorite Under Armour shoe that you've ever received? All-time shoe would be my. I mean, Kobe Bryant is my favorite player of all time. Uh, my I got to my my uh, senior year of university uh, the Kobe or the Kobe nines or Kobe tens at that time the high tops yeah almost look like boxing shoes yeah and uh, the day I put those on I mean was just game over like I, I most shoes you got to break in and run around with and your feet hurt or I put those on and it was literally almost like putting on a sock yeah and I fell in love with those shoes ever since then and I've uh, I mean, while I was playing my professional career and playing anything competitive, like 
I always put on those shoes. I mean, I've had the different colorways, but those would probably be my favorite all-time shoe, I guess you can say in terms of, uh, of an athlete. But I mean, now, uh, favorite shoe for Under Armour? Uh, the Curry 6 is, I uh, yeah. The Curry 6s, I think, out of the three, I mean, I've had the 5s now, the 6s and the 7s that are being released now. Uh, probably the best, uh, just because they changed the technology that they did from the 5 to the 6. But, uh, I mean, my game, I wouldn't say my game is obviously like Steph Curry's, but, I mean, he's a small guard, he's fast, he runs around a lot, and that's kind of how my game was uh, really built like. I mean, the whole stop, jitter, and move, and cut, and all yeah. that stuff, so... Uh, when I put on the shoe, it does what it's supposed to do for me. And I feel like that really uh, helped me out a lot uh, with kind of uh, liking that shoe more than more than the other ones. I think the five was a little bit uh, – it was hard to put on. I remember that. It was very hard to put on. Uh, the sevens, it takes time to break those in. But the sixes, I think, with the new technology that they added was uh, was really, really good. I like that one a lot. Nice, nice. So if you had to guess, or you might even know the answer, how many pairs of shoes do you have in your closet right now? <laughs> I don't know. I have a big stack right here. Oh, man. You need a calculator? <laughs> I have a lot. Let's just say it's probably plus, let's just count what's here. Two, four, six, eight, and 12, 14, 16, 18. I would say probably plus 40. More than 40. Okay. I'm not letting my wife watch this episode. Otherwise, it's going to be a really expensive uh, week at the Skinner household. <laughs> <laughs> Probably around that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But my goal, my goal eventually, I mean, is to uh, uh, a lot of my friends that are ex-pros or pros right now have started kind of uh, shoe drives and organizations. And I mean, somebody that we probably both know, uh, Jimmy Sublim, that's here in Ottawa, uh, runs his. And every year I've given away like, you know, five or eight pairs of shoes because I mean, I only got two feet and I can wear them only here and there. Right. So, uh, I've been, I, I give away a lot of them as well. And that's my goal. I mean, I don't want to just hoard shoes. I mean, so whenever I can give them out, I, I do my best to give a couple pairs out for sure. Right on. Good for you. Um, uh, now, I, I mean, we sort of touched on it at the beginning of the episode there, but, uh, you, you, you wear a lot of hats, right? You, you've got your next level fitness, you've got next level media, you've got your team believe you've, you've got your, your one-on-one -on -one clients, your group training, your, your everything, right? In looking ahead to the future and assuming everything goes well, it is sort of the end goal to eventually merge all of these companies into one mega corporation, or do you sort of see them all sort of standing alone as individual entities? Well, it's funny you say that. I, like to me, I mean, to everybody else, it probably looks like they're all separate mm -hmm. by title of, of course, and you know, different websites and, and whatnot, but they actually are all merged in one mm -hmm. when, when I look at it, because with my next level fitness stuff, I mean, I record my clients. I put out mixtapes for them and stuff like that too. I use my next level media for that. Mm -hmm. uh, with my team, believe now that I started the organization. Next level media is our media outlet for that in terms of promoting our players and uh, eventually getting them highlight tapes and we record all of our games and stuff like that too. And then within my team, believe I have my basketball training that's included in that. So I give all our our players within our program also one-on-one -on -one training is outside of practice as well. So, I mean, for me, they're kind of already merged, um, but going forward, I mean, the, the end goal would be to have 
which obviously Ottawa is lacking in terms of facilities is, is an actual facility where all that can be kind of under one roof, right? So when you, when you stop in there, you're getting pretty much like it's going to be a one-stop shop, right? Like you, you get in there, uh, whether it's training, whether it's uh, team practices, whether it's a room where we have, uh, you know, we're recording videos or editing and stuff like that. So, I mean, looking in the future, that would probably be the goal, end goal. But in terms of them being merged, uh, I would already say that they pretty much are. I mean, if I could just make one website for all of them, I would do that. But I mean, some people want specific stuff, right? So uh, kind of have to keep it separate in that sense. But uh, as a whole, for me, they're, they're already called all, all intertwined. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if we ever win the lottery, we'll, we'll go splitsies on building oh, a dome east please. there together. <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, okay. If you could share one piece of advice to, you know, an athlete who's looking to make sort of the jump post playing career into either the sports business industry or, you know, sports marketing or, or sort of that realm there, what would it be? Huh. Don't take no for an answer and use no as motivation to not just prove people wrong, but to show your own self that you can do it regardless of what's in front of you. Because um, I feel like once you finish, you know, university or even before that, I mean, as a kid and all throughout your whole life, you hear the word no pretty often. Mm -hmm. And sometimes no can derail you completely off your course and uh, your goals and your dreams. Or for some people to use that as motivation. And those are the people that eventually make it to the top or make it to their goal, right? So uh, for me, it's, it's take no and use it as fuel and know how to place it in front of you where it's going to help you and not actually hinder you because you're going to be knocking on a lot of doors, whether it's uh, looking for a new job, whether it's to start your own job, whether it's to whatever it is, don't lose, you know, uh, kind of the end sight of what you're trying to do. And I mean, a big thing that I've been talking about on our, my segment here is you need to have a why. And I think by having a why it'll always keep you on track. And if you do get off track, that why can re spark your interest. And I feel like if you don't have a why, um, you can just give up easily or really not know what you're doing or and, and, and like exa exactly why you're not doing it. Right. So, I mean, to find something that can always keep that fire fueling, I think is very important. And, uh, it could be anything. I mean, your why is not going to be the same why for me, for the next guy, for the next guy, right? Like it could be a simple thing. Like I got to make sure I, I support my mom, like right away. As soon as I get off track, I'm like, okay, I've got to support my mom. Boom, I'm back on track or, whatever it is, you know, so you don't got to tell anybody it, you can write it down, you can keep it in your head, whatever it is, but have a why and use no as motivation are probably the two biggest things I can uh, tell any upcoming athlete to uh, always kind of keep in their back pocket. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think for, for some, it's a little bit scary sometimes striking out on their own, right? It, it's it, the, the easier thing to do is, yeah, you go, you get a nice little nine to five job there, you cash your paychecks, you know, pension and away you go. For, but you talk to just about everyone. Everyone's got that million dollar idea in their head of like, ah, oh, if I could start my own, whatever, it could be something as simple as, you know, frozen yogurt stand or whatever. I would do mm -hmm. this and that differently. Right. But very few people act 
on, on these aspirations or, or these goals. Was there maybe a, a moment in, in your life where you sort of went from, okay, if, if I don't start these companies now, I'm never going to do it. And, and, and what was it that made you or, or sort of pushed you to, to actually start them? I mean, I've always been someone that's been a leader by just, I don't know if it's nature or what it was. I mean, I have three younger brothers and my parents separated when I was young. So I think I've always kind of been put in that role without actually being told I'm in that role. Um, so I've always been kind of not born to lead. I don't want to say that, but I've always kind of had that uh, discipline to, to do instead of follow. And um I mean, as soon as I finished university, I had the opportunity to work with uh, America Capital Courts. And, and uh, I mean, I love basketball. I love to uh, adventure and I love to do things and try new things, even though sometimes it may not work. I'm someone that like, I mean, try. If it doesn't work, then I mean, it doesn't work. Like, you won't know till you try, right? So, I mean, uh, it's reality. I mean, you don't always see eye to eye with people and, and, uh, you don't dislike them for it. I mean, everyone has their own opinions and, and things, right? So, I mean, uh, I had the opportunity to go back and play pro my second, third, second year. Yeah. And when I came back, um, during my time of playing professionally, I started my little media company. And the reason I started that is because um, when I was a kid growing up, uh, single mom, I had three younger brothers. It was hard for her to put me, put me and my brothers into high level sports just because of the time commitment, the, the funds, all that other stuff. So I wasn't very highly recruited, you can say, but I mean, in Ottawa and kind of like surrounding area, a lot of coaches knew who I was, uh, but I didn't want to really stay here. And I mean, another just part of it was what I said earlier was my friend going away too, was kind of another uh, help, I guess you can say, but I had to figure out a way to get my name in, in the coach, not uh, the, my name in coach's mouth so I had to figure out a way to expose myself so I took a journalism class in grade 10 that showed me how to use Adobe Premiere and, and cameras and stuff like that um, this was before Instagram obviously YouTube was getting there well not really 2007 2008 it was okay it's not yeah. like it is today that's for sure uh, so I I got my brothers and friends that I could find to come film my games I paid them like five dollars or whatever it was and I, I made a highlight tape with Adobe Premiere. It wasn't obviously the, the nicest looking thing, but I mean, it did what it was supposed to do and showcase my skills. So I finished that. I attached uh, a letter that had all my, my season stats, my awards, and the DVD. And I put them all in an envelope. And I remember mailing out like 35 universities in grade uh, 11 and 12. And I started getting interest from that and I started getting schools talking to me and stuff like that. But fast forward, uh, now being, I mean, playing a professional athlete, I come back home, I'm playing in men's leagues now just to kind of stay in shape. And, and, and I see kids that are 17, 18 years old playing. And I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here? Like, this kid's pretty good. Oh, you know, just, just I'm not in school or this or that. And kind of a light bulb went off at that moment where I was like, these kids can play, but they just don't have the exposure or probably are exactly in the same situation I was when I was younger. So I tried to figure out of a platform or a way where I can help them get exposure. And that's why I started Next Level Media. And then I started my exposure camps where now, instead of the kids going out to see coaches, I'm bringing the coaches in here to see them. 
So that's how that started. And I mean, just by nature, I mean, me playing basketball and wanting to help out kids and working at Capitol Courts. Um, I mean, I started my own thing just because, um, I mean, I wanted to give back in a different way and try new things. And I mean, like I said, me and Merrick still talk to this day. Everything is, is, is all good. And I mean, we bounce each other, bounce off uh, ideas off each other all the time. So um, the game of basketball is growing, as we mentioned earlier. And I think there's a need for uh, more teams, more coaches, more trainers. All that stuff is needed because uh, the game is growing at a rapid rate, right? So, I mean, uh, it's pretty much how I got into what I'm doing now and why I started also Team Believe is because uh, I think that there's more kids playing and, and when you go to tryouts, you can only take 12 kids. You go, to, you go to tryouts and there's 50 or 60 kids. What happens to all the kids that get cut? Now they're stuck playing in programs or teams that they're either way better than or don't have the interest in, you know, kind of developing them and pushing them forward to ultimately reach whatever goal that they have. So um, I thought it was just uh, kind of the right timing to, to get into that. I mean, Raptors winning helped Canada basketball grow and, uh, you hear about kids wanting to play all the time, right? So it's, it's I think, overdue. And uh, I think I kind of got put into the situation without trying to be put into the situation. So I think it was just a matter of time to to get that started. So that's how that, that one started. Yeah. yeah, timing is everything. Yeah. Uh, so where, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing or Team Believe or any of your next level media stuff there? Uh, they can follow me. I mean, on Instagram, I post a lot of my stuff there. I just asked, uh, jameel.abiad or if they go to, uh, my website, uh, www.janlfitness.com, uh, everything pretty much gets posted there. And then obviously our team believe Instagram is just, uh, 613 believe and everything gets posted on, uh, pretty much those, those channels there. And, uh, I mean, people can reach me by email as well at any time also. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're at a time in our lives where we're pretty much all hooked on our our phones, sadly enough. And I mean, uh, when you own your own business and stuff, a lot of people think you're just on your phone, you know, texting and whatnot. But we're working, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As I'm sure oh, yeah. you know, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, social media. I mean, I'm on pretty much all the platforms. So if anybody ever wants to contact me, it's uh, pretty much pretty easy to find me on uh, on that. <laughs> Right on. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully we can uh, cross paths again once uh, the restrictions get lifted here. No, for sure. For sure. We'll definitely do some stuff together because I think it's uh, time that more of us come together instead of all trying to spread out. And, uh, and uh, I look forward to that. And thank you for having me uh, here today. Awesome. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Dine Sports YouTube page and podcast network. Huge thank you goes out to Jamil for joining us today and sharing his story as far as his basketball career and his journey in business and life as well, too. Lots of great tips and tricks and insights to be gained there from a former athlete who uh, has now made that transition into the sports industry as well. Just a friendly reminder, please make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We've also got several pages on social media that you can follow us at as well, too. We'd love to connect with you guys on there as well. Thanks very much for watching. We'll see you guys again soon.